Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and I'm joined today by Logan. It's vacation season, people, and not everyone is here all the time. It's episode number 75. Thanks for sticking with us, and I hope you enjoy the show. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. So now, one thing that I heard or you made a comment the other day Mm -hmm. uh, that I thought was kind of interesting is one of the problems that woodworkers home hobbyist woodworkers have is what to do with scraps like what's too small to keep yeah what's worth saving but then i realized that for some folk like this season is camping season which is latin for scrap management that's right yeah and i'll tell you having been camping a lot in the last couple weeks with my boys and my wife and stuff shop scrap burns really nicely doesn't it really hot and really fast usually it's pretty awesome i end up uh my sister has a fireplace up at her house so whenever we go back to wisconsin to visit i usually end up bringing a little box or crate along that has a bunch of shop scraps in it and it is kind of funny you know because she'll get firewood from whatever it yeah. gets dropped off and who knows how wet it is and what exactly it, i mean it says that it's hardwood but i mean it could just be a bunch of popple you know yeah. that's just yep yeah well see and my one of my things and i've said this before on the podcast is that i i hate clutter so i think like every woodworker i usually tend to hoard scraps and that's one of the things that starts cluttering up my shop the most. Some of them don't actually live in my shop. Some of it ends up cluttering my garage because I kind of have some lumber storage in my garage and stuff. Um, but this last trip, I was like, oh, crap. You know, all my firewood, I have a lot of firewood at my house that's been cut and split for four years now. It's starting to get soft, yeah. so it doesn't burn really well. So it's like to get a full weekend of camping out of it i have to fill up my eight foot box full of wood because it's like you know every time the boys are like hey can we throw a lock on the fires like no throw four on because yeah. it's just it's like styrofoam right uh but i went through and, and cleaned out most of my scrap over the last couple of camping trips um but with that being said i think the the type of scrap you hold on to or offcuts. Let's say, let's, let's call it offcuts. It sounds cleaner. The type of offcuts right. that you hold on to really depends on, I think, what you do project-wise or woodworking-wise, right? Sure. Um, a great example, uh, this issue of popular woodworking, I'm working on a, like a toolbox. And yesterday, I went all over our shop here looking for eight inch plywood like i could not find oh, yeah. it i need like a six by seven inch piece i needed a little piece and i'm like who purged all of our freaking scrap <laughs> like come on there has to be some so i finally found like a full sheet of it like shoved it in the rack in the back uh yeah but 
it's those instances that make me thankful that I'm a semi hoarder. You know what I mean? Right. But I try not to be. <laughs> so I think the hardest part is when you're about to throw something on a fire like that. Cause I've done that too, where I'll just bring wood along. Like if we go to a, up to one of the county parks and go for a picnic or something like that. And you're going to grill hot dogs and brats or something. And, and you go to throw something on the fire and it's actually like a work piece, oh. you know, cause there's one thing when it's a scrap and it's just rough, you know, it's just it, yeah. a misshapen block, you know, it looks like kids blocks essentially, except they're grown up woodworker blocks, but it's another thing if it's a shaped part from something, yeah. you know, and don't look it in the eyes. Well, it's like it's funny because we did it. Well, not we. Chris Fitch did a big scrap purge the last. It was over winter, and in particular, yeah. he cleaned out our scrap bin in the photo studio. Right, and there was like two or three cabriole legs in there, and I'm just picturing Chris putting cabriole legs in his wood burning stove <laughs> at home. <laughs> Like, that's the most Chris Fitch thing ever, <laughs> is just burn yeah. the mahogany cabriole legs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which... Nothing heats a house like mahogany. I know, right? Uh, but, you know, I I feel like I've kind of taken this a step further. Not Again, I'm trying not to hoard scrap, and I try to just purge it. It's been a conscious effort recently. But with the sawmill, I hoard, I hoard logs, kind of. It's like, you know, I've gotten logs from people that um, are just too big for my sawmill, but it's like, God, that's a really nice pin oak or that um, soft maple is has some really yeah. nice crotches on it. It's like, ah, oh, I make beautiful turning blanks. But literally over the last five or six days, I've had um, a, a little mini stand on skid steer from one of my arborist buddies. So after work every day, I have been filling up a dump trailer full of of the stuff that I'm never actually going to cut and been hauling it off to the log dump, which in of Mm. itself is a problem because I get to the log dump and then I see really nice logs (laughs) and it's like, it's like the most self-defeating thing in the world. Uh, Maybe it's just purpose though, because you're trading something you can't use for something you can. Is accurate because I have not gotten rid of a log that is, like a good, you know, air quotes if you're watching YouTube, good saw log. Because there is a very particular... I started off just taking whatever I could get, but now yeah. as my, my cutting journey has kind of evolved, I, I'm starting to get a little more particular on what logs I'll keep and what logs I'll, I'll mess around with. Um, just from a sheer time standpoint. Um, right. There, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, because it's like I, I chopped up... Um, I chopped up a walnut log that was pretty, I mean, it had been, it had been on the ground for like nine years. Like I cut through the center of it thinking I probably should just turn this into bowl blanks. But then I saw the cracks from the outside went really close to the pith. And I'm like, it's, it's not worth it. Um, so I just, I was, you know, taking some of that stuff, some of the stuff that's a little bit too big. Um, I had a, a sycamore that was just a little bit too big. Um, uh, had I had some random like big sections of offcuts of logs like you know if I trim a log three or four feet it's like oh I can turn that into some bowl blanks 
and instead it just gets pushed right. into a big pile on the side of my yard and sits there. So right. it's like, no, nope, just get rid of it. But so yeah, unless yeah. you're going to burn it or something. And I think or... you have a valid a valid point where if I'm hauling stuff off, it's okay to bring saw logs back that will fit on the mill. Right. So there yeah. was a there was a in particular there was a couple cherry that looked really nice, but they're in a big pile. I would need to I would need to bring the mini skid steer out there to pick them up oh, to put them in the yeah, trailer. Yeah. So it's like you know what I have enough logs. Enough offcuts. <laughs> just purge the offcuts. Which, to continue this, what do you have in your shop for lumber storage? Because that always seems to be kind of a hot topic. Because it's a pain in the butt to store a lot of wood. Right. Uh, the very last issue of Shop Notes magazine uh, had, was it the very last? One of the last issues of Shop Notes had what we called the ultimate lumber rack. And uh, it was a Chris Fitch, one of his pinnacles of design because it's a horizontal lumber storage unit. But then in between, you know, because there's the arms that support the beams, he had platforms on it so you could, you know, you didn't have to like try and span two little arms or whatever. But he put uh, drawers and cubbies in between those. So the lower section has is a little deeper and have drawers. The upper ones, which are shallower, just have open cubbies. So you can put long boards all the way across. It's eight feet wide. I mean, nothing saying that you can't make it even bigger. But, uh, but the cubbies are perfect for little shorty things that you can just kind of stick just in there. I it up. It was. It was Shop Notes 138, which would be the last issue of Shop Notes. And it was designed to have yeah. like a miter saw in the center of it, right? Okay. Right, yeah. So you could have, you know, use it for your crosscut station or whatever for breaking down boards or whatever. Um, I have outfitted that like uh, it's shop or it's lumber storage plus like a workshop okay. hutch a little bit, you know, because I keep some tools on the bottom shelves. Um, I have a my hand miter box on there mm-hmm. as a little station for that. And then, you know, the drawers I could put hardware odds and ends. And I think one of them is my router bit okay. storage right now and that kind of thing. So it works really well. It, it also forces me to organize the offcuts a little bit in the sense that, you know, it's like if I'm sticking it in there, like, do I really want to keep this? It also works as kind of a, I don't know. It's like when you're fishing and you have those gauges where it's like, is this a fish that I'm allowed to keep or does it have to go back? So it's like if it sticks in there in a certain direction, it's like that's the gauge it's big enough to keep. If it's too small, it's this should probably you, you just go You have a slot limit on your bottle. scraps. Fair enough. Right, yeah. Which I think, I mean, I think that's so, a great practice to say yeah. most you know, just pulling something out of my head here. Most rails are 18 inches. So anything under 18 inches is not worth keeping something like that, you know? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is that with it being individual cubbies, I can, it's not just a black hole of junk. Everything's right there. You know, so I can, yeah. And I can put like, 
you know, one of them I have is, you know, white oak pieces. I have another one that's a little bit larger that I keep uh, basswood parts for okay. carving. You know, another one has, uh, you know, the smaller plywood pieces, like you were saying. Like when you're looking for that, you know, I just need a piece of three-eighths inch Baltic birch plywood for a yeah. cleat, yeah. stop block, whatever. Yeah. So those are all in another one and kind of organizes it. And then it's like, I only have one of these, so there's really no point in having just one random two inch by three quarter by 14 inch sure. piece of yeah. mahogany. Yeah. You know, see, like, and I've, I've went through a bunch of different iterations of lumber storage. Um, I, I like the horizontal storage, but what I have found in my shop and the way I work, the board I always want is always on the bottom of the stack. So it's like, right. ah, this is stupid. So, and most of the time I've done that lumber storage, I go to like Menards or Lowe's and buy like the gorilla racking, like the, you know, it's the perforated steel strips you, you yeah. bolt or leg bolt onto the wall. And then there's big brackets and they support, yeah. you know, they say up to 500 pounds per bracket or whatever. And I've done those right. and I have, yeah. I have one set of that in my shop that has stuff on it, but I, you're right. The problem is you have to span those gaps. So it's like, I, I find myself putting you know, yeah. long, like two foot wide by, you know, eight foot long pieces of plywood that are off cuts down as a base and then stacking stuff. Up sure. And I have one of those in my garage still. That's pretty much empty. It just needs to come down. I just haven't got back there to dig it out. Um, and I also have a lumber cart. Now everybody's going to say, Logan, you said you're not a hoarder. You sound like a hoarder, which yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> I also have a lumber cart that was a, that one I bought, Phil, was that a Woodsmith project? I think the big one with the, uh, yeah. Yes. The, yeah, yep. the big yep. seven so, inch casters. So John and I, went rounds on this thing. He would, he kept running me up when we were buying this through a company, you know, intercompany auction. Uh, but I thought, oh, I was like, oh, this is great. I can, I can put this in my back utility room and store my, my stuff on it. I think in practice, if you had a big shop, it would work really well. It doesn't work in my shop. And I found myself yeah. just kept, I kept moving around. So right now it's in my garage. It has lumber on it. Um, it actually has a lot of turning blanks on it, which are another that's another storage nightmare in itself is turning blanks. Um, but I think I might get rid of that lumber rack. My father-in-law has already called dibs on it um, because he does have a sure. shop. Um, but actually, my dad called dibs on it. Um, but anyways, uh, I've went to, and I sent you guys a picture of this a couple of weeks ago when I, when I changed it. In the shop here at the, the office, we have vertical lumber storage. So everything stands up against the right. wall and it's divided by um, some black pipe flanges with black pipe stubs sticking out of it. So stuff can't tip left and right. And then right. Uh, we had chains across the front at one point. I think we took those off. Um, but I really like yeah. that because you can compact a lot of lumber into a small area. And the way my garage is set up, I have about two feet on the right hand side of one of my stalls. That is, I mean, it's, it's blank. It's empty space. Basically, you know, once you pull your car in, uh, 
you have basically from the trunk, well, from the back doors to the garage door, where so it's probably seven feet. That is, I mean, it's unused space. So I, I put some of those, and I'll get a picture on the show notes page. Um, I put some of those in there and, and put some of my walnut that's finished drying in it. And I really like that storage solution. Um, everything's standing vertical. Uh, I got a lot of material into a little space. Um, so I might, I might kind of run with that, especially as I get some of this lumber uh, dry and ready to sell. I think that will be an easier way to do it. Yeah. To stand it up. I can see sell that. It versus how, stacking it. How tall are the ceilings in there? Uh, the ceiling, I have a 14 foot ladder and it won't reach the ceiling. Oh, okay. So you have, so you I have probably have pretty s- tall space then. Yeah. I probably have a 16 foot tall garage, just the way our walkout is and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have plenty of room. The, the biggest problem, the biggest problem is I had a couple big slabs stood up against the wall right there. And the, the only thing I hit is the garage door track, which is a really pain in the butt when you have a big, like 30 oh, inch yeah, wide yeah. elm slab and you're trying to stand it up and it's 12 foot long and you have to like lift it and shove it up against the wall. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, that's a good idea. I had my first shop in our first house was in the basement and I had lumber storage issues down there and several boards I had um, as kind of vertical storage but they were poplar pieces for drawers for a dresser that took me a while to finish and the issue that I had is that they had been stored so long. And I don't know if it was because if it was downstairs or just smaller pieces, but they developed a long bow in them just from gravity, you know, yeah. and I didn't really, they weren't very vertical, you know, cause the boards were so long. So they were kind of leaned a little. And so that was yeah. kind of, that kind of put me off of doing vertical storage. And I don't know if what I need to do needed to do instead was to have some kind of a ramp on the backside to kind of support it, yeah. Or it just needs to be as vertical as possible. And that's that's what I I was afraid of that. So that's what I did. I went as vertical as I possibly could. Yeah. Without stuff tipping over. Yeah. So, you know, and there is. Uh, so one of my buddies that's an arborist, he, he's from Siberia. Uh, and he told me, he's like, oh, in, in my country, when they when we cut lumber and stack it, we stand it on end, which they do. That's that's a common thing in other parts of the world. To, to After you cut lumber to dry it, you stack it basically in a teepee, like shape. Yeah, and I've seen that where it's, they almost have like a ridge pole and then kind yeah. of cross it. Exactly. Back and forth. And I don't remember, there's a word for it or a name for it. And I just yeah, can't I, remember what it I'm is, not, but I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, they obviously do that without it sagging. I don't know if that's because it's on edge. Maybe I don't, maybe yeah. I don't know. Um, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, that, that was a fear of mine is that I would develop a little bit of a sagger bow over time. So trying to combat that by keeping them as vertical as possible. I think you're right. If you like did like a, you know, back plate that's angled, that would yeah. help. So I think what's interesting about it is to, you know, cause we always 
think lumber storage. So you have this generic idea that it's always boards and it's not, you know, like you said, turning blanks, you know, yeah. those are not going to stack horizontally on a shelf, you know, no. unless you can maybe have the rounds that you kind of stack up like donuts yeah. or something like that. But well, and some I've seen uh, one of my buddies here in town, Greg, he, uh, he, he does a lot of pens, lots of pens. And he has a stack full of his uh, pen blanks, and they're just a smattering of colors, and it's just the end of each one of them. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, because there's about the only thing that I'm missing is having a good way to store pieces of plywood. I don't use it a ton, but when you have it, then you end up with plywood offcuts that are of a usable size. Mm-hmm. But it's like, where do I, I don't know where to go with that. I know. And that was, that was the biggest thing about the cart when I got it. It was like, oh, this is great for sheet goods. Cause it'll actually hold a four by eight sheet of plywood. And, yeah. Um, like, oh, this is, this is great for sheet goods in practice. It doesn't work terribly well for what I need it to, but you're right. Like usually plywood, I try to keep stuff that's eight inches or bigger in at least one dimension or mm-hmm. I, I take that back in two dimensions. So, you know, I figured an eight inch by eight inch square plywood, I can usually get a template or a pattern or something out of that or a jig right. part. Um, but I always seem to end up with these off cuts that are like, I don't know, a foot wide by eight foot long. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, do I just bite the bullet and rip it in half or cut it in half so I get, you know, one foot by four foot piece? Four, yeah, and then you're like, now I've just limited what I can do with I this. I know, but then I don't have to store that stupid long eight foot piece. <laughs> so it's just, man. I think it's never ending. I think the solution is just to buy a lumber yard and then I don't have to worry about it. Mm hmm. There you go. So. so it's easy for me to see how some people end up with like a lumber woodshed yeah oh yeah it's just you know if there's a way you can keep even that from turning into a giant bonfire waiting to happen yeah you know and organized or whatever but you know like you said earlier with your logs becoming more selective on what you decide to keep or and even saw like what's even worth sawing yeah yeah because i've noticed that in myself that i've you know, when I first started here, there is like a plethora of delightful scrap pieces that you could use that get oh, I know. just casually thrown away. And you're like, why are we throwing this out? Yeah. This is perfectly good wood. You know, and I kept all sorts of stuff and still do. But I've noticed that even now it's like I just don't keep as much as I no. used to. And it's just not worth it. Other than, you know, sometimes I have to keep it just to keep up my reputation as being super thrifty. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I'll take it home so people see that, and then, and then I'll check yeah. it. No, I I guess to me there's there's a a part of me that keeps scrap wood because I don't want to I don't want to buy it again, right? I mean, you know, right yeah. now I don't I don't necessarily buy lumber, but I occasionally do still. But um, I don't. It's a cost savings thing. It's like, oh, that scrap's useful for something. I don't have to then buy, you know, three board feet to get that piece out, or whatever. 
but I also put a pretty hefty weight on to me there's a cost of holding on to lumber like storage space my mental capacity on seeing all the clutter around and stuff and right. the, the the time that it's going to take me to dig through that scrap pile to find what I need or to unstack it to get to that bottom board um, yeah and for myself I have decided that just not worth it yeah well and plus every time I mean you said mental capacity because there's also a a feeling like you have to do something with that yeah yeah you know it's not like it's just sitting there for the opportunity to come along no it's constantly poking at you like what are you gonna do with this one what are you gonna do with this one what are you gonna do with this one well it's like I always see that uh meme go around on Facebook that it's like you know uh, in today's headline, man used a two by four that he stored in 1978 that he said he might use one day. Today <laughs> yeah. is that day. <laughs> it's like Edward. I mean, there's a reason that that stigma exists because we all do oh, yeah. that. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous, but you know, it's I don't know. I I will say this last camping trip we had. When I went through and did my big, I did a big purge. It was over. It was actually over Memorial Day weekend, so it was, it was a long camping trip, longer camping trip. And all of the offcuts I had, I mean, I had kind of the standard mixed bag of like you know cherry and maple and stuff right. scraps. But a lot of the big pieces I had rough cut stuff from stuff that I had sawn or or broken down or whatever. And a lot of the pieces, I hate to say it, were like the crotch sections of a walnut board, you know, it's like if, mm. if you cut a, if you cut a walnut log that has a crotch on it, the crotch is going to be on one end. So it's like that last yeah. two foot is where you get all that, that figure and feathering and stuff. But when I'm building, like say I'm building a shaker dresser or nightstand or whatever, you don't really want to mix that in. Aesthetically, I don't want to mix that in. I want nice, clean, right. straight grain, unless the whole thing's going to yeah. be, you know, ungodly and flamboyant and stuff. Like I, I want it to yeah. be subtle, nice grain. So, but you always, I always keep those, that little one or two foot section of the end of the board that has all the figure. I'm like, ah, oh, this is like great for a, a saw handle. Like you, you did with the yeah. walnut crotch or, you know, like, oh, this would be a really good lid for a box or some somewhere you want to use it to highlight the grain and it burns really nice. Because <laughs> it's just like I never, I never used it. It's like if I've had it for two years and never used it, I'm never going to. It's no. not happening. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I've, at least for me, I feel like I get to um, before I start. It's like I just, you know, I'd like to keep all this stuff because I'm going to use it and. Then you start sorting it out and throwing it into a pile to get burned yeah. or whatever. And then at some point, like you just flip over and it's just like, what else can I get it rid of? Because you see like a section of your shop get cleaner or a little bit more organized. And it's like, it's yep. all going. Everything. Everything must get burned. Yep. Been there, done that. I mean, it didn't burn my tools, but like, yeah. Yeah, I know no, exactly what you but mean. Yeah, it, you... It's a cascade effect. Yeah. But... It's like you just kind of got to get over the hump and then it's just... And then yeah. it's freeing, and then you feel way better. I just have this great mental picture of our listeners sitting here listening to us talk for 30 minutes about getting rid of scraps in our shop. 
because we've gotten so mm-hmm. many notes from people saying, hey, I love the podcast. But, you know, my spouse walked through and said, are you really listening to three idiots talk about woodworking? Like, what are you guys talking about? Sandpaper? <laughs> and then we talked about sandpaper for 30 like, minutes. No, <laughs> yeah, wood. Yeah, yeah, like that stuff you yeah. haze me about keeping. But. Right. I know because my dad, who's a woodworker, he and I kind of have a little running gag of, you know, taking a picture of something that we've saved for way too long and using it. Yep. See? Never throw anything away. I know. You know, which gets us into the whole coffee can of hardware oh, thing, which is a oh, totally God. different podcast yeah. topic. So, yeah. anyway, it was just kind of something that I thought of as when you had said that you were... Because I think you even had sent a text about how full the scrap well, yeah, bin was yeah, in the shop. Yeah, so I had thought... Well, here's where that whole thing stemmed from. Like I said, we were going on this camping trip. I didn't know if I had enough scrap wood at home to, to make it through the weekend. Because I was thinking, I've been doing good over the last couple of years of trying to pare it down. I did. I did have enough. But I texted everybody. It was like, hey... Does anybody know how full the, the shop scrap bin is? Because it might get raided and pillaged this weekend. Um, <laughs> but I, I had enough. So, But I guess, you know, it, burning, burning wood for fuel, for campfire, uh, house heat, whatever, it's as a legitimate use as building something with it. Yeah, like... And that's right. that's what I hate. Uh, I, I hate the strong word. That's what kind of rubs me the wrong way when I go out to cut a log for somebody, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I got I got these branches I want you to cut too." And I'm like, "Okay, okay here's the deal. They're not going to make great lumber because there's a lot of tension built up in the woods. The fibers are stretched on one side, compressed on the other. It's never going to stay flat. It's going to bind. It's like it's better off." you know, put it on the curb and post it for free firewood. They're like, oh, I don't want to see it burn. It's like, well, somebody's heating their house doing that. I mean, we're far enough north that people do burn heat for, or burn wood for heat in the winter. I mean, we're far enough that it's legit. You get further north, like in Wisconsin, where Phil's from, there's a lot of people that do that. And it's it's as legitimate use of the natural resource as making boards and making furniture so it just that, that was my small yeah. tangent for this podcast because it's no yeah turn into firewood it's great use yeah. for it don't send it to the landfill that's a waste okay. right yeah i think that's probably the part that just what irked me when i you know seeing wood that just gets yeah. dumped in the dumpster yeah. you know which we used to do here a lot Whereas now we keep a couple of rolling garbage cans, rolling garbage cans that are yep. just for scrap, and we have a few people that have fireplaces, or like Chris who heats his house in winter with with a wood stove or outdoor furnace or whatever yeah. they call. You know, it. I have uh, when we built our house, I plumbed my house for an outside wood boiler. Um, and oh, yeah. it's just where we're at, our winters aren't long enough or cold enough to really give me a good return on it until I put up an outside building and heat multiple buildings with it. Um, oh, but, yeah. you know, you get, 
I've heard people say, oh, never burn, not necessarily scrap material like we have, um, but it is a legitimate concern. Some of it burns too hot to put in those. Like, I've I've heard people say, oh, oh you know, yeah. I made the mistake one year of going to the cabinet shop and getting a bunch of offcuts, and I loaded up my wood boiler with it, and all of a sudden I look out an hour later and the thing's glowing cherry red because it's so hot because there's so much surface area. It just, it goes, it goes crazy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to hear if any of our listeners, like, heat their houses with wood, um, you know, from their shop or not. Uh, because I know there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends that do, and everybody I've ever talked to that heats with wood, their, their thing always is, I'll never go back. There's no heat like wood heat. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, good use for your scraps, too. Yeah. No, it's super right. plywood scraps. Yeah. plywood scraps. A lot of glue in there. I think it kind of, I think it yeah, depends on yeah. what you have, right? Like if one of those outdoor boilers, Probably. I think you can yeah. get away with. Whereas, you know, like you don't wouldn't want to burn it in a fireplace Glue where you're going to end up with more yep. creosote and whatever building up. So, but no, it's pretty cool. I've always thought it would be fun to have a wood stove yeah. in my shop to keep it warm in winter. We had an old one in the attic of the my parents' house uh, that I always thought would be kind of cool to have, but... I know that it would make my insurance company super itchy if I they put don't that know in my garage. So, <laughs> like, I, I mean, yeah, I guess I have a problem with that because, I mean, I I get it. Like, it just you're talking about like a cast iron wood stove, right? Like, I I guess right. I kind of yeah. get that, but they don't really have problems if you put a wood furnace in. So. I don't know. Maybe it's just right. they're more modern. They yeah. have digital dampeners in there and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. And I think it's just one of those things where it's just, you know, they run the numbers on it and there's a higher yeah. risk for it. I mean, so. it does paint a beautiful picture. Old man Huber out in his shop with a wood fire going with his pot of hide glue warming up on top of it. Right. Coffee kettle next to yep. it boiling oh right, man a little percolator coffee like, thing. yeah i feel like i'm writing a christmas story mm-hmm. right now yeah and if i well and um, you know the building right next door to us uh had the yeah. carriage house in the back and then that back room where we had set it up as kind of like an old-timey shop you know we had it right in the middle of it was a big pot-bellied yeah. wood stove and it was Becky's just dad bought that at a freaking song and a dance i mean just you bought it for nothing right i if i would have had a room for yeah. it oh man or if i would have had a place yeah. for it so. yeah so maybe someday when i have a standalone shop building mm-hmm. that i could have a a wood stove in there because i think i think it would be super cool Sure. So it wouldn't have to be a huge one. No. Just and a kind of a vintage model, which Yeah. You know, a lot of those were double walled and 
pretty safe. And yeah. So let me ask you this: when you say a standalone shop, what would you consider the smallest shop that you would move into and consider your shop? Because right, because wow. right now you're in the back third of a garage, basically. Uh, yeah. The garage at my house was built by a guy who I think had a shop or some kind of a workroom back there, whether he was a woodworker mm-hmm. or just a general tinkerer kind of person. Um, so the shop is, or the garage was built like an extra eight feet deep across the whole width of it. So it's a, a two car garage door with an entry door to the side of it. So that's what I think it, I measured. It. It's like 26 feet wide um, and like 24 feet deep or something like that. Um, so I have my shop is basically eight feet deep and 24 feet wide. Okay. Um, so it's a narrow space, but I get to keep all of my stuff set up all the time. I don't have to back cars out to do anything unless I'm working on something gargantuan. Like I helped a friend build a, a triple decker bunk bed once. And I mean, clearly we had to back one of the cars out for that, yeah. but. So right now you're in 192 square feet. That's yeah. Where your shop is. So would you, which would be a 16 by 12. 16 by 12. I could probably do 16 by 12. I think if I really wanted to, and that's the other thing too, is cause I see a lot of people, I mean, who doesn't flip through fine woodworking's tools and shops issue? Yep. You know, or to be like kids today and look at all the content creators yeah. on YouTube who are building the like, I've decided to build this 84 by 127 little workshop. Yeah. And I can have one section that's metalworking and one section that's woodworking and one section that's diesel mechanics and another section that's <laughs> I think you just hit every content creator like in those different segments. That was awesome. Yeah. Well yeah. done. In your yep. face. Well done. Uh and I don't begrudge them anything, but I think there's a slight disservice when we hold that up as the dream shop. Yeah, or or you're saying, you know, hey, I'm showing you how to build X, Y, Z, and I'm going to cut the parts on my big Powermatic CNC. It's right. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. yeah, I get it. Good for you. You got it. You have it. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's still one of those things. Yeah. Like, not everybody has. Yeah. Not everybody has that space. So I, you know, but I think of somebody like uh, Curtis Buchanan, mm-hmm. the chair maker. Now I know he just, does chairs, but he's got a pretty small space um, as an outbuilding. Um, and I don't think, other than his lathe and maybe a bandsaw, I don't know that he has any power tools in it. Um, or uh, like Bill Carter yeah, making oh, planes yeah. in the UK. And he's got essentially a little potting shed. Yep. That's his shop. And he's as the weather warrants, he's outside as often as he is inside. So I probably could do, I think I could probably do 12 by 12 and make it work. Okay. Okay. Which would be slightly Uh, smaller than what you have right now. Right. Okay. But, 
it would all depend on like I wouldn't want to do it in a 12 by 12 uh, garden shed kit from Menards okay. because the roof is going to be too small. There's sure. going to be almost no light, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it would have to depend on that. Uh, you know, there's a guy, Peter Follinsby. I don't know if you've ever seen. He does mostly hand tool woodworking, but he built a, you know, basically like a timber frame building in his backyard. That's not super big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think could work. Uh, Jim Tolpin on on the Instagrams. I don't know if anybody's ever seen his shop. He's got a shed. Again, he does mostly hand tool stuff, but I like his size of a shop, which is probably in the like twelve by sixteen sure. kind of neighborhood. And I would, and I have a few power tools that I would not want to give up. You know, I like my bandsaw, my drill press, and my thickness planer. Sure. But those could be um, moved around in a twelve by twelve. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to and decide I, how I big found my that in here. probably 10 even 10. in my shop, I found that I just rearranged the shop to suit what I'm working on anyway. So, sure. you know, when I need to plane stuff, I pull the planer out into the middle, kind of, because I have like a narrow, kind of center walkway on one side of it, and I can yeah. plane boards however size I want and. Yeah. If I had decent access to outside, there'd be plenty of times where it would be fun to just be able to wheel stuff out, you know, onto the front lawn of the shop or whatever. See, you know, I've pulled my thickness planer out onto the driveway a couple of times because I have it on a cart. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to do that with the bandsaw or something like that just because it's that much longer of a trip and there's really no point to it. Yeah, but. see, I was thinking one of those, um, oh, they're... They're like a, a shed kit, but they're not. They're like the next size up and the next style up. Where they're more, they're more so like, you know, uh, you know, cabin kits basically, where they have like right. a porch yeah. on them and stuff. But they're like, mm-hmm. they're like twelve or fourteen by sixteen. Like I could, I think I could do one of those. Um, and yeah. the, the roofs, the ceilings can get a little, get a little taller in those. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. Quite honestly, if if I didn't have a need to do some of the, the popular woodworking stuff in my shop and stuff, uh, and I was just going to go to a, like a turning only, I think that'd be perfect. I'd have a bandsaw, I would have a mm-hmm. lathe, and I'd have an overhead door and a leaf blower, and that would be it. <laughs> and it would just be, yeah, just open the door, blow it all out. I mean, and that's right. basically... basically um, there's a, a guy, he used to have a show on, I think, PBS uh, that was underwritten by Popular Woodworking. Um, now he has a show on YouTube, uh, and uh, his name's Tim Yoder, and that's basically what he's working out of. Now, it's a little bit bigger than that, and it, it looks like it's like a garage that he built in his backyard um, for his turning, but it's fairly small. Uh, and that's what he has. I mean, he has, a, he has his American Beauty lathe. He has a bandsaw. He might have a drill press in there. I don't recall. But then a couple counters, and that's it. Um, It's funny because he's he'll occasionally comment about it as he's turning. He's like, "Oh, the I can't recognize his name." He's like, "Oh, he can't get far enough away from me because the shop's so small." And he's like throwing wet shavings all over everything and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I could do that. I could I could go to like a twelve by twelve for a turning shop and. 
is a part of this question was stemmed from an article that you just wrote for Wood Smith that went to the printer uh, what yesterday or today or something um, yeah. on setting up a carving space. Um, I was like, yeah, that's kind of for a turning space. I could I could do that completely. Yeah. And I'd like to, you know, I did that article and it was, I'd like to do it as a series, not that I have to write all of them, but, you know, one, a popular topic in woodworking is setting up shop. And most of the articles, books, whatever about setting up shop end up defaulting to some version of a semi-pro cabinet slash furniture making mm -hmm. shop, which I think suits the, the idea of like, a, you know, like what you would consider as a quote unquote, typical woodsmith, popular woodworking, fine woodworking audience, yeah. you know, woodworkers yeah. journal kind of projects that we show. But I think that there are as many, if not more branches of woodworking that don't need to have a table saw the size of the Nimitz in the middle of the shop and does a disservice, I think, to what it means to be a, be yeah. a woodworker. I, I would agree with that because, and, and it's comments we get a lot from our listeners and viewers and subscribers and stuff. It's like, Hey, I don't have that room. You know, can't you show me a small space that works? Um, yeah. So. And, and there was a meme that went around a few years ago that it was, it was Don um, on the set of the show. And it was some, and the caption on the image was like, yeah, I can build that really easily if I have $25,000 worth of equipment. Yeah. And it's like, I see what you're getting at there, but A, it wasn't $25,000 worth of equipment. But that being said, you know, like that's why I wanted to do the carving thing is because you don't need a big space for carving or like you were just talking about as kind of like your ultimate turning shop, turning shop. Yeah. And I would think that would be a super cool article is like, Hey, I'm interested in turning. And then granted you can all of a sudden get into choose your own adventure on what's a turning oh, yeah. shop oh, yeah. because it's like pen turning bowls, spindles, yep, exactly. you know, whatever. But if you were to just do a turning shop, you know, I think you had talked about once like, one of the revolutionary new tools for turners were electric chainsaws. Yeah. Totally blew my mind. I just didn't even think about it. It's like, oh yeah. Cause you could be in the basement say, and chainsawing a bull have blank. A, and you make a bull blank yeah. and all you need is essentially a stump and your chainsaw and you don't have to worry about gas fumes and carbon yep. monoxide warnings and now they'll yeah. still spray oil all over, but that's your own battle well, yeah. fight. Right. But. but even then, you know, if you're turning green wood, you're already doing, you're already investing in shop. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Let's be that's, honest. That's so you said you want to make this a series. Can I put in a request for our audience on our audience's behalf for your next one? Oh Setting yeah. Setting up an intarsia shop. <laughs> First, you're going to need a bunch of balloon animals <laughs> to use as models. Uh, no offense to all the intarsia artists in the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, 
as everybody in who listens knows or would choose to admit, it's really easy to make fun of something that you're not interested in. Yes, completely. And very personal if someone makes fun of something you are. <laughs> so uh, I do that tongue in cheek. Uh, and it's not, I just, it's just not an area of woodworking that I want to take part uh, in. Too many why? of them. So, anyway, but yeah, that's what I would. I would love to continue that as a setting up shop yeah. series. I because I've thought of one as you know, like the turning shop, carving shop, uh, like a DIY shop. Yeah. You know, if you were doing mostly home improvement kind of projects, what would be some essential tools? And I think each one of them would have kind of a core set of tools. You know, like decent measuring and layout mm -hmm. tools, you know, that are going to kind of fit no matter what you're doing for the most part, yeah. you know, and like a, a battery drill driver and yeah. something like that. But yeah. So speaking anyway. of carving, you have your, your item you've been working on next to you. Uh, no, I don't. I have it at home, but I will put a photo of it on the show notes page. That's not super cool. So, um, I'm admittedly a little off in the sense that for Father's Day this year, I decided to make my wife and kids a gift for Father's Day. Like, here's how awesome I am in your face. You don't appreciate right. me. Right. Yeah. What that says. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to go for. It's something I've been thinking about for a few years now that I just felt like I just wanted yeah. to do. Like no, I, that's, that's fair. So I made, uh, my daughter is been into flower pressing recently, which is fine because she's got 89,000 books in her room. And so she's been using books to press flowers, but I got a bunch of veneer press screws from Brian Nelson. I think I maybe brought this up in another podcast and I made a, a little flower press for gotcha. her. Uh, and I have these little six by six squares of MDF. I think there's five of them. So she could have like six layers of flowers pressed in there because cool. you don't need a ton of pressure on it. And, and then for my son who, um, he's kind of becoming a little bit more independent and wants his room to be a little more like his own space like, and we are constantly getting on him about he's a like a lot of kids these days into hoodie sweatshirts and they're all over the house it's like where's your sweatshirt well there's one and there's one over here and there's one over there so i made a wall-mounted coat rack for him to hang up his sweatshirts on and then for my wife i did uh because i'm a dave fisher fanboy. Mm -hmm. uh i made a little bird bowl for my wife just uh have his kind of a desk art for her command center for the house. Which it turned so, out fantastic. That's why I brought it up because it turned out super cool. Yeah. And it was, I, I've been doing bowls off and on for a few years now. And I, this one actually turned out the best out of all of them, which is funny because the wood was relatively comparatively green. It was mm -hmm. basswood that you saw last year. Yep. But it was in a board, and I ended up taking a section of it and gluing it up into a blank instead of going the whole 
green wood, find a branch that's got a crook in it, split it with a fro, blah, 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 blah. Yep. I take a hybrid approach on how I create those. And so I did that and yeah, it, I don't mind saying that I'm really happy with it because it, I took another step in my development there. So that was kind of fun. So I will put photos of all of those for all the people who are watching on the YouTubes and listening on the radio. Um, I will put photos of that on the show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcasts. So it was a fun project to do uh, a shout out to you, Logan, because I've been for the, both the flower press and the coat rack. I used a bunch of that white fur. Oh, nice. Cool. That I'm building my workbench off of. I yeah. have a bunch of off cuts and it's one of those things where it's like, there's that saying, you know, for if all you have is a hammer, then everything is a nail. It's like, if all you have is white fur, then all your projects are white That's fur. That's right. However, it's super fun to work with because I, on all three of those, except for just a few steps, I did as much as I could by hand on it. And, and white fur is cheating by hand. Right. It totally <laughs> is. Because I did the uprights for the flower press, I dovetailed into the base. And I did hand cut dovetails on there and uh, hand cut dados for nice. the shelf on the coat rack. Used my brace and bit for the pegs that hold the sweatshirts and all that kind of stuff. And I, had, I even resawed a couple of pieces by hand with my rip saw, you know, which it was, it was just tons of fun. I had awesome. a blast doing all of that Thanks, by man. hand. I don't know that I would do all of my woodworking that way, but <laughs> but I think what's nice about it is using the white fur because it's well behaved. You know, there's not a lot of difference between early and late wood. You know, yeah. like if I were using yellow pine or something, so everything behaved pretty well. So I was able to focus on the form cool. of the skills yeah. rather than fighting the material. Yep. So that when I, you know, if I wanted to do something like, you know, we were talking about this the other day. Like you were built your tool chest has hand cut dovetails in it in soft maple and I'm doing hand cut dovetails in my drawers in white fur and we both loved the experience. Yep. And yeah, having done it in white fur, I know that I could try it in something harder and feel a lot more confident in doing sure. it. Well, and I think that's why it's funny because I asked, um, my buddy Jimmy Clues ordered a bunch of turning blanks for me that are currently in a kiln out in Adel, west of Des Moines. And I asked him, I said, hey, he was like, do you want me to include any basswood in this? Because I got a bunch. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, it, it turns beautifully. It's a great material to turn on, but he likes people to walk away with a good looking piece. Because basswood can sure. get a little plain. Um, but yeah. there's some merit to it. Like working with an easy to work with wood to develop skill is completely legit like yeah I, and i i told i told you phil when you were saying it that making that bird bowl was like scooping ice cream because it's oh, so yeah. soft uh like i know when, when i was doing the easter eggs out of it it's like oh my god everybody should learn to turn with basswood like even being i would call it 70 percent dry like it's yeah it's 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 not stopping wet but it's not finished yet um, right. But, I mean, just, like, 
ribbons. It's like it's almost like you're turning resin. Just ribbons are flying <laughs> off. It's awesome. Oh. Yeah, and I, th- yeah, it, there's just something about you know because we've done some projects recently with basswood in the shop. Yeah, and it's kiln dried basswood that who knows how long it was sitting there, and it's just dry and it's got that kind of. I don't know. How did you and Chris talk about it one time where it just feels crumbly? It's, or yeah, and that's what I've noticed. Cause I, styrofoamy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I've noticed that with um, – I did a, a carving class with Al Breed, and almost everything we did was basswood. Obviously, basswood's a great carving wood. That's kind of what we're oh, talking yeah. about. But, yeah, kiln-dried basswood, it gets crunchy. Like, if your tools are not perfectly sharp, it, it can crunch and leave fuzzies. Um, yeah. Where if with that little bit of moisture, like you get clean, shiny cuts off of it, which is just awesome. Oh, yeah. Which is what I was getting. And it was, yeah, it was just so much fun to work with. And I feel like the same way with that fur, because even that you cut last August. So yep. it's not even been a year. And that was almost inch and a half, like inch and a quarter yeah, like inch and a plus, quarter, yep. you know, boards. Um, totally dry enough to use. Yep. But still had, I don't know, a little bit of life in them that it they, it cuts really smooth. It planes really nicely. And I'm telling you, it's just the air-dried stock. I, it drives me nuts yeah. when people say, ah, it has to be kiln-dried to use for furniture. Bull, because they didn't have kilns 300 years ago, and that's some Does of the most you know in-demand, well, highest-priced yeah. furniture right now. It still is around. Yeah. So just... You, you throw stuff in a kiln, it dries out the lignin in in the wood, and if you can keep that lignin soft, whether it's air-dried or leaving the moisture content a little higher, oh, it's just yeah. it's a different experience. It's like, it is. It's like driving your grandma's broke-down Pinto or driving a <laughs> brand-new Corvette. Different experience. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. Anyway, I've just been having a lot of fun with it. And as much fur as there is, there's a bunch of it that's left over. That's not like prime furniture kind of making pieces, but there's plenty of, you know, either shop fixtures or, you know, I have a room in our basement that needs to kind of get trimmed out. And I think I might just use those, that white fur and trim out the room in that. And even if I end up painting it, you know, it'll still be kind of nice to work with and do simple window casings and stuff around. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a delight. I think we're going to wrap up this episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, like we've talked about, we have a show notes page where we try and show other resources, some of the things that we've been talking about, especially when it comes to projects or uh specific old projects from the magazines or plans or whatever. So if you want to head over to woodsmith.com slash podcasts, you can check out all the show notes pages from previous episodes, as well as this one. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening to your normal podcast, or if you want to watch it on YouTube and see two heads nodding and laughing and talking to each other, feel free to do that at our YouTube channel as well. Uh, don't forget that Shop Notes podcast is supported 
by the readers of Woodsmith Magazine. So if you're considering uh, getting to be a better woodworker, please consider subscribing to Woodsmith and popular woodworking magazines. And we'll see you next week on the next episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye, Bye everybody. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.